And as much as these professional sports leagues think they've got it figured out, as much as some of these colleges think they've got it figured out, and it being how they're going to return to sports through the pandemic, some have done this. NASCAR, by the way, currently over on ESPN Radio AM 1200, thanks to AMP Auto Parts and Mess's Fireworks, the weather-delayed race from Talladega, if you want to check in on that. That's where that race is, and we'll keep you updated on that. Boy, I hope Bubba Wallace wins. That would just be the story of the century. But NASCAR's bad. I was watching golf this weekend, although, see, you know the one thing I actually wanted to do for Father's Day, and this is how much not, and this relates to the conversation we're having now, how much we take for granted what just used to be there for us? I wanted to sit in my chair, my dad chair, I have, a, I have a dad chair, but you get to a certain age and you're like, dad code kicks in. You're like, I got to get a recliner. I got to get one of those recliners that that is dad's chair and that's who sits there. Once in a while, the dog hops up there, but summits allowed. That's my chair. That is clearly defined as dad's chair. And I have one of those chairs and I wanted to sit in my chair and I wanted to watch sports. I didn't think that was too much to ask. In the past, it certainly has not been too much to ask. In 2020, it's asking everything. So I sit down in my chair. Hey, NASCAR's on. I'll watch NASCAR. Rain delay. Okay. Hey, there's golf on Channel 5. It's not the U.S. Open like it usually is Father's Day weekend, but it's golf. It's live sports, and I turn in. It's a rain delay. So now I'm starting to get a little itchy because I'm not watching tape-delayed sports. That's what they did. They showed last year's tournament. I'm I'm done with tape delayed sports. I'm done with it. Over on Channel Three, there's soccer. I watched it. I gotta say the piped in crowd noise at first was a little jarring, but then I found it soothing, kind of like a white noise machine. Do you guys use one of these things? Do you have to use it? Like some people have to sleep with the fan on. My daughter uses a white noise machine to sleep at night. My wife probably wishes we did because I've been known to snore a little bit, but that's a whole different topic for a different day. I found the piped in crowd noise of the soccer match I was watching. And again, I'm going down a road that boy, I am, as you know, I'm the furthest thing from a premier league expert on this show, but it was live sports and the piped in crowd noise didn't bother me so much, but that's not even what I really wanted to get into. The point being, the choice of getting live sports these days. It's like you go to the store, sometimes they've got chicken, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they got bread, sometimes they don't. These days they seem to have figured it out, but there was a time during this pandemic. I went to the store yesterday to get ribs because that's my traditional Father's Day dinner, and they did not have the ribs in my first stop. Thankfully they did it my second stop, or it would have got really, really messy in the house. Anyway, here's my point. Long-winded point. They still haven't figured this out. Kansas State had 14 coronavirus positive tests, had to shut down football workouts. Texas had 13. Kansas State plays Texas in football on October 3rd, so they've already one-upped them in that department. LSU, as they described it, some said it was about 30 or so. It was just described as many. Many LSU players had to be quarantined because of positive tests. And here's where this gets interesting. 
No one had to be hospitalized. No one was experiencing any serious symptoms, but they contracted it by going to, there's a thing in Baton Rouge called Tigerland. It's apparently, it's, it's like our Armory Square or Marshall Street, just a bunch of nightclubs, right? Well, the Baton Rouge Health Department had to put out an advisory because of they know, a hundred people contracted coronavirus, positive tests that were all said were at this certain place at a certain time, including a number of LSU football players. So right now I can already hear you. I can already hear the people that are like, oh, come on, it's just the flu. It's the Kung flu. It's I can just hear some of you already that have made this determination about just we got to move on. We got to, and look, we're in phase four here in central New York just about this week, right? Hopefully, knock on wood, coming Friday in phase three currently. And life does have to move on. We have to find a way through it. But here's the point of this one trip to a nightclub for a few football players turns into 30 players that have to quarantine. Now imagine that two days before you play a game. There are going to be games canceled because of this. There are going to be games suspended because of this. And I understand we've all become amateur Dr. Fauci's in some way. I fully understand that people that are in a younger category, and by the way, Ryan McMahon, our county executive, said there's been a spike in people ages 17 to 21 that have tested positive right here in Onondaga County recently. So take note of that. I understand that young people with no underlying conditions, sometimes they don't even know they have it. They're asymptomatic. They don't get afflicted with it. They probably don't even know it came and went. That's the point. Because in an ideal world, all these 18 to 22-year-olds, like these football players that are on campus right now, doing voluntary workouts in a controlled environment, are still getting across the country the ones we know about and are being reported, positive tests. Now mix in the general campus community, even with mask wearing, even with testing, even with social distancing, even with safety protocols. Mix them all together in the fall. Mix them together with a general population. And what do you get? You get your walk in a fine line if you're going to expect that for 12 football games, you're going to have a healthy football team of football players, which is already, I don't think I really need to tell college football fans this, that's already something that's a problem. Now mix this in. Because what all these schools are saying, and some schools can afford testing more than others, I was seeing reports today, the Patriot League and the approach they're going to take, which is basically they're in, they're out, there's no overnight stays, protocols have changed, I saw some Division Three. Schools already saying, we can't do fall and winter sports, hopefully the spring. At Syracuse, they have what they're describing as an aggressive, rigorous testing, which is great. At UCLA, 30 football players signed a, a, a document, if you will, saying they want a third party to monitor everything that's going on at UCLA because they don't trust their head coach. They don't trust the protocols in place to keep them safe. There are NBA players that are starting to say, I don't know if I'm going to do this. There are Major League Baseball players. Again, testing is finding positive cases. And again, you can say all you want about 
where we stand with that, what the severity of this is. We know who it affects more than others. What we know is if there's one positive test on a team and that person has been in contact with a number of other players, that means multiple people have to quarantine. Disruptions, interruptions, the flow of a sport, particularly an everyday sport like baseball, completely thrown out of whack. Now think about football, like I said. When do you test? How do you test? What's the protocol if a player gets tested positive on a Tuesday of game week? What if that player is the starting quarterback? Like, there's so many unanswered questions here. I agree with what Adam Silver has said, what others have said, what John Wildhack has said in a way. We got to try. We got to figure out a way to get through this as we learn more about this and how it goes. I'm just here to remind you, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but I guess I kind of am, that we haven't figured this out. We've learned a lot in the past few months. It's encouraging to me that the NBA went out of their way to find a way to try this in quarantine, that the National Hockey League, who's whittling down the list of hub cities that they're going to have, is going to try this, that I can watch NASCAR right now, that I can watch golf right now when it's not rain delayed. That's great. That's encouraging. We need sports. We do. We need it to take our minds off of things and for all the reasons that we've been missing sports for the past few months. But let's stop pretending we're through this and it's over and, hey, we got this. I think reasonable minds can agree on that. No matter where you stand in this debate and how you feel about this. For God's sake, we're having political debates about masks. We're having political debates about things that are public health issues that should not be politicized, but... I'm naive there because everything gets politicized these days. Yay, democracy. Yay, democracy. Exactly right. Which just complicates the matter more than you think it could be and should be in this day and age. But that's just it's the day and age we live in. Right? Can we just stop pretending we got this? Can we just stop pretending we've come through on this? There are encouraging signs. There are encouraging numbers. Death rates and hospitalizations are dropping, and it just may have to be a situation where herd immunity has to build, and you have to get it, and just kind of take your chances. I I don't know. I just I'm, I'm spitballing now, but that's just it. So are people at the highest level of sport. Let's figure it out. Let's try it. But also at the same time, you're walking that thin line of not only public safety, not only putting people at risk, but like I said, one trip to a nightclub. For a football team, boom, 30 people quarantined. You're telling me this is not going to be the case three months from now? You're telling me this is not going to be the case a month from now? Because remember, training camps start in early August, but there is a period of time in July where college football teams can have workouts, essentially walkthroughs to make up for lost time because they lost spring ball. And remember, these college football Stories we're hearing about, these are controlled environments at Power 5 college football programs that have safety protocols in place. Now, in some cases, it's better for these football players to be on campus as opposed to being at home, going here, there, everywhere, interacting with people they shouldn't be. On a college campus, they have testing. They can address it immediately. Oh, you tested positive. Here's the protocol. Bing, bang, boom. Whereas if you're at home... And all of a sudden, you start feeling the symptoms of COVID-19. That Stop right there. It's too late. 
Like, you've got it, and who knows who you've spread it to, at least on a college campus, because they're testing so much. They catch it, bing, bang, boom, quarantine, here we go. Figure it out. But we still don't know enough about, well, what if you get it a second time? How do you get it a second time? Antibodies, all these things. As long as we're flexible there, as long as college football fans know, and I wrote a column about this today, and the point of the whole column was, let's stop asking if we can and really start thinking if we should. Just thinking about it. I didn't declare if they put a spike in the ground and say, here to fall, there will be no college football this year. That would be unreasonable on June 22nd. And it's not fear porn as some commentators put out there. It's facts. These are facts. Kansas State, 14 players, shut it down. Houston had to shut it down. LSU, quarantining. Now, again, no serious symptoms, no hospitalizations. All done out of abundance of caution. And a medical official at LSU said, we anticipated this. This shows the process is working. And that's great. That's fantastic. But let's not pretend that and, th- and if I'm wrong about this, I would love to be, because that means we got football and all is well. And look, there's only so much leaf peeping and apple picking I can do in the fall. I need football. You need football. But at what expense? That's all I'm saying here. A little down the road, knowing more, but still not knowing enough. I've been watching a lot of Netflix slash Amazon TV slash Disney Plus slash you name it lately, as we all have. I'm sick of old games. I can't do it anymore. Once in a while, I'll find myself watching some old games somewhere because you know there's a great moment coming up. But old games have become like these old movies we watch. You would think somebody who could watch A Few Good Men every single time it's on, that could watch Ghostbusters every single time it's on, much to the annoyance of my family, who roll their eyes every time I stop on, hey, Major League's on again, right? I can't do that with real sports, even though with Goodfellas and The Godfather and these movies I have seen a hundred times, the Star Wars movies, whatever the case may be. We've all got them. We stop. We watch. By the way, we watch, even though they're on television, there's several commercial breaks. I have the DVD five feet away from me in the cabinet in which the television rests on. But it's cooler when it's on TV. I don't know why, but it's always cooler when it's on TV. Point being... I can do that with movies. I can do that with sports movies. You would think sports movie, you watch it once, you know the story. Hey, but it's not. It's the dialogue and the reminiscing. And sometimes it's been a while since you've seen these movies as familiar as they are. They take you back to a certain place. I have found, I don't know about you, that rewatching sports does not do the same thing. It doesn't. I, I can't do it. I don't know what it is. It's cool when it's done in partnership with like when the basketball team and Jim Beheim and company rewatch the 2003 national title game. That's cool when you put a new spin on history. But just like, hey, you're flipping around in the 86 World Series on again, which, by the way, why would you watch that? Or, you know, Super Bowl 25's on again. Because why would you watch that? Mm-hmm. The bills make me wanna shop. Anyway, I can't do old sports. So, much like you, I've been watching a lot of Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, etc., etc. By the way, quick aside. So, here's what I've discovered in the pandemic. I'm coming down the home stretch on this, and Parks and Recreation may be my favorite show of all time. 
of all time. The GOAT, the belt winner. It's the most consistent show I've ever watched. It's the funniest show I've ever watched. I have never watched an episode of that show, not one, and said, boy, that stunk. My favorite all-time television show is The Sopranos. Let's be honest. There were episodes of The Sopranos. You're like, nah. My second favorite all-time television show is The Office. There were times you'd watch The Office. You're like, nah. My third all-time favorite television show is Friday Night Lights. There were episodes of that show where you'd be like, nah. My fourth favorite all-time show, which I'm re-watching currently in the pandemic, is The West Wing. There are certainly episodes of that show where you're like, yeah. I have never felt that way about Parks and Rec, so I've discovered that. I have watched, I've been plowing through shows, because a lot of these are just 8 to 10 episodes. I have watched Upload on Amazon. Highly recommend that. I am currently watching Tin Star on Amazon. It's good. It's one of these shows I find myself like, this is kind of weird, but I can't stop watching it. It's about a, a sheriff in Canada, and in the first episode of the show, something majorly traumatic happens to him, and I don't want to give away too many plot details, but it's it just gets weirder and weirder as it goes, but in kind of that you can't take your eyes off away. So I've been kind of enjoying that. Uh, Red Oaks was pretty good. Strong first season, second season, faded third season, just fell on its face. You know, kind of a delightful movie about the mid, or uh, pardon me, series about the mid '80s. If you're into it, so anyway, that's me. That's what I've been into and, and watching recently. I'm thinking to myself though, with all these shows, I'm like, what sports movies could we extend the life of as a Netflix series, as a Hulu series, as a whatever series? So here are six ideas for that, and one that is not on my list because they've done it and it's amazing is Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai is a terrific television show that extends the life of the Karate Kid movies. Highly recommend that. Season 3 is coming soon. On I believe they moved it from YouTube to Netflix. But here's six other ideas. Number six. Days of Thunder. Underrated movie. The story, I believe, you know, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Or you could take other characters from that movie. Right? They're, they're kids. The next generation. Ricky Bobby kind of did this in Talladega Nights. That was more of a comedy. I'm thinking more of a drama feel to it like Days of Thunder, injecting the next generation with that kind of rebel driver that comes out of nowhere and revolutionizes the sport. Number five. Slapshot. I don't know if it's Reggie Dunlop's kid. I don't know if it's Ogie Oglethorpe's kid. I don't know if it's the Hanson brothers. Who's the next generation? You'd have to have a Hanson brothers, right? But who couldn't see an eight to 10 episode series about the life of minor league hockey with a 2020 modern spin, but with the dialogue, the vulgarness, the, the the charm at which Slapshot was done, right? Honoring the past, a little nostalgia. You could film it in Syracuse again like they did the original Slapshot, but kind of extend the life of the series. All the stories in minor league sports these days, you could even have a coronavirus angle to it and how they adjusted and got back on the ice and how sports came back. How could we not have Slapshot? Number four. We go nostalgia here. We do an extension of Hoosiers, but we base it in the 1970s. We base it in the 1970s in rural Indiana, the innocence of basketball, and can it carry through with sex, drugs, rock and roll, the 70s, the look. Paulie Sibilia could star in it with his current hairstyle. I'm thinking... 
The same charm of Hoosiers, the same appeal of Hoosiers, maybe Gene Hackman's son. You've got to have a connection to the original characters and the original cast, right? Maybe, right, Jimmy? He's the coach now? I don't know. Let's think about it. But nostalgia piece, Hoosiers in the 70s. What do we think? Number three. I got three words for you that will describe this show in its entirety, and no other words need to be said. Coach Shane Falco. Number two. Now, these are both baseball stories because I think they can create the best storylines extended out, cover an entire season, give us a lot of plot points, and hit the nostalgia angle. Two is Major League. We've got choices here. Jake Taylor, played by Tom Berenger, and Lynn Played by Rene Russo. Rene Russo, by the way, this is this is not an arguable point, is the greatest sports movie wife in history. This is not an arguable point. Don't even try. Rene Russo, Major League. Rene Russo, Tin Cup, story's over. By the way, Tin Cup would also be an amazing addition to this list. But think about it. The son or daughter of Jake Taylor and Lynn continue the legacy as the owner, as the general manager of a ragtag bunch of Cleveland Indians trying to recapture the old magic. In a time when baseball has lost its appeal to its generation, Brockmeyer has kind of done this. Brockmeyer is a terrific show, by the way. I finished that months ago because it's that good. Feels like months ago. I think it was weeks ago. But anyway... The continuation of Major League. We could bring in enough of the old stars. I don't know what Charlie Sheen's doing these days for that flash of nostalgia, kind of the way Cobra Kai does, but tell the story of a new generation of ragtag Cleveland Indians trying to recapture that old magic. But number one number one is Bull Durham. Kevin Costner's got to be involved for this to work. Susan Sarandon's got to be involved for this in some way for this to work. Tim Robbins is still around. Maybe he's a manager now. I don't know, but the, the next generation of minor league baseball. Major league at least was major league. They tried that major league back to the minors. It was an epic failure. Let's not speak of it 